gentlemen boys and girls i am alan moore and you are welcome to europe's number one english language radio sports show capital sports on moscow's capital fm folks for the next two hours settle in for the very best news views previews reviews and interviews in of course the world of sports and before we set sail on the good ship capital sports just what is on our joys of the uh, our joys our voyage of discovery tonight for you to enjoy in just a couple of minutes we're going to go to andrew flint who was covering the this weekend's uh, russian premier league first and of course today's big moscow derby this khan spartak what was the final result we'll tell you in just one minute don't go away we're going to hear from andy mack in part two all about the start of the english premier league and of course more player scandals this time uh, something called hippie crack there you go in part three we're going to go to lovely fermanagh the lakeland county to talk with our legal eagle eastold cody about action outside the ring in boxing and mma she'll be joined then by alex b because there's more mcgregor madness to discuss in part four at 10 o'clock we are going to keep alex b with us we're going to keep him under lock and key he is going to give us the north american roundup because it's getting very serious in the nba nhl and even in the mlb of course, that is baseball. And then we're going to be joined by athlete advocate, former kickboxing world champion and one of the really, really good people in sports, Cara O'Donovan. Of course, she is going for Olympic gold next year in karate. Hopefully, fingers crossed, she'll be in Tokyo. Well, if Tokyo does take place, after all. Now, remember, next week... Actually, remember, just remember that next week, Dinamo Moscow make a long way to return to European football. Okay, big thing because they were last in Europe in 2015. We're going to speak with Mr... Dinamo, Dimitri Derunets, before finally, in the last segment, 
part six, we have our big, fat, filthy quiz, or our big, filthy, fat quiz. Whatever you want to say, it's going to be a lot of fun. We have Andrew Flint, Alex P, Andy Mack, Isil Cody, Double N, and Buzz Zambia. And next week, we're going to have some extra special guests, but the ones this week are going to be awesome. Okay, folks. It wasn't a great weekend overall for Moscow clubs. Uh, Dinamo lost 1-0 to Rubin. Uh, Himki lost 3-1 away to Ural Yekaterinburg. And of course, uh, Lokomotiv played tomorrow night. And one of the clubs is not going to be happy today because there was a win tonight. Um, Andrew Flint, tell us all about it. Who took home the honours? Who has the bragging rights this week in the office between Siska fans and Spartak fans? Well, it is CSK Moscow who come out on top. They came from behind to win 2-1 against Spartak Moscow. Uh, 3-1, sorry. Um, Chidera Ejuke scored his first goal for the club, a Nigerian forward. He looks very impressive coming off the bench. Um, so, yeah, Alexander Kokoin came on for Spartak for his debut. Um, and it was feisty, to say the least. There was bit of scuffle at the end. Dominic Tedesco got his traditional booking on the <laughs> sideline. Um, and there was a booking after the final whistle for Georgi Shenikov. There was a fair bit of physical challenges in there. Um, but it is CSK Moscow who came out on top. Now, I mean, OK, Loco play tomorrow night. Zenit, of course, they play Arsenal tomorrow night as well. Loco away in Rostov. Um, looking at the table right now, we are kind of in a bit of shock because from yesterday and until tomorrow tomorrow night <laughs> Sochi are top of the table so and Sochi B are in third place it is quite remarkable they are now this is this is going to sound ridiculous but it is true they are the only unbeaten side left in the country and <laughs> um, I mean it, it just doesn't seem to make sense but Christian Nabur is just doesn't look like he's going to stop he got his fifth goal of the season he's now top scorer in the league and uh, a way to Akhmat Grossi is never easy so Sochi top of the table um, Zanit of course they have a chance to to reclaim top spot after Spartak lost tonight and if they can beat Arsenal Tula and I think they probably will do at home um, but it's it's all to play for it's so tight at the top already yeah, I mean, looking at it, I mean, we okay, we've got Sochi, okay, they're, they're running away with the championship on 15 points. Spartak, they messed up. Even a draw would have maybe, well, no, it would have kept them into uh, second place, but they would have been level on points. They're on 14. Zenit in third on 13. Siska, with that win today, are up into fourth place, so they're into a European qualification spot. They're on 13 points. Rubin, with that win over Dinamo, have leapfrogged Dinamo. They're on 11 points. Dinamo in sixth on 11. Now, look at Lokomotiv. They're down in 10th place with eight points. They really need those three points tomorrow night, don't they? Oh, they, they absolutely do. And coming against Rostov as well, you wouldn't have thought you'd have said this at the beginning of the season, but it's a very important game simply because Rostov are in that chasing pack for those European places. And don't forget, of course, there's only four European places in the league this season um, after Russia dropped in the UEFA club coefficient point rankings. So the pressure really is on. If they drop points again, then they are going to be a long, long way behind. And there are clubs above them who are in much, much better form. So it, it really is a seriously important game for them. Especially with the, lo the, the loss of Alex Miranchuk coming in, because, of course, we know his quality. We, we've, yeah. we've seen him play. We know what he's like. Um, uh, this week, uh, a number of people have said that that could be the steal of the season for Atalanta. You'd go along with that, wouldn't you? Uh, I think I would. I would, I really would. I mean, there's, okay, he was in the last year of his contract, so that, that affects the price, but 
I, I'm still absolutely stunned that they got such good value and under relatively little competition, seemingly. And Miranchuk will, like we said before, will fit into their style of play. But because it is a step up for him, there's no question about it. Serie A is a, a few levels above the Russian Premier League. He won't expect to be in the starting lineup straight away. So it's a very clever signing for them. And when he comes off the bench, he can change games for them. No question at all. Um, stepping back just a little bit, let's look at the, the Moscow teams at the moment. Siska, of course, you know, winning today, um, could that mean something decent for them that they might have a little bit of run of form? Because, you know, they, they've been sort of, they've been there, thereabouts. They've got some very good players in. They've splashed the cash. This surely means that they are going to start challenging now for, you know, at least a top four spot. I think they... They have to after the money they've spent. Uh, it's they've been their most well. It's been their their highest spending transfer window um, in a long, long time. And the signings they've made do look to make uh, reasonable sense. They've got unbelievable depth in midfield. And after they brought in Bakhtiar Zainuddinov, who I I think is a very underrated player in the Russian Premier League, he can play across the midfield, so he gives them depth um, up front. I mean now. After about a year, two years of pretty much only Fyodor Chalaf as a senior striker, to now have Chidere Juke and Adolfo Gaic, who didn't even come on today, and they have serious depth. They don't have any excuses left now, but I think they will make that top four. Okay, no, that does make sense. Spartak was that just a, a little bit of a blip because you know they kind of they you know they were they were doing very very well, undefeated, looking good, and maybe it just got the better of them today. I think it was it was a derby atmosphere, and I think that's what counted for, counted for the the result. Spartak were very dangerous, and Igor Akinfeyev was quite rightly, in my opinion, named man of the match. He made some stunning saves, and he had to play behind um, Vadim Karpov, the teenager, who has really looked fairly shaky for quite a while now. And I'm I'm surprised he's still in that starting lineup. Admittedly, um, Igor Diveev is out injured, so that's part of the reason why he's playing today. But it was a relatively inexperienced TSK side, and by even by their standards, they even had um, well, they had plenty of academy graduates on the pitch. So, Akin Faith did help that result significantly. Um, so it wasn't as if Spartak were terrible, but it was the pressure that got to them. Okay, um, Dinamo. I mean, losing one 0 at home, it was it was fairly feisty as well. I mean, there was a there was a there was a couple of challenges that I thought should have been maybe red cards because they were a little bit brutal. Um, has has that kind of set them back a little bit because they were moving up? I mean, they were you know they're they're still in sixth position, but they they were challenging for a top four spot. Yeah, I mean, they, they, there's no need to panic just yet. They are well within reach. One win um, or gain three points on their rivals above them and they're right back into the European places. I think, for me, the concern is exactly how they line up at front because Nikolai Komlichenko has been guaranteed the central striking role. He's got one goal in the last 11 games, I believe it is. He was sent off for an elbow, which I think was the right decision. Um, it, was, it wasn't a good challenge. He had a goal disallowed as well, and that would have been a huge boost to his confidence, but also to Dinamo as an attacking unit. Um, so, yeah, it's, they've got the tools there, but I just think they are too inconsistent. And without that dependence on Komlichenko up front, which you would have thought when they brought him in, his scoring record in Czech Republic was fantastic. He just hasn't brought it over yet, so they need him to get firing. 
Okay, no, that is fair enough. Um, look, we, we, there is, of course, <laughs> a, a bit of scandal, shall we say, that uh, was hit the round, the seventh round of the Russian Championship. Let's, before uh-huh. we discuss that, of course, it's, it's linked to COVID. Before we discuss that, let's look ahead a little bit to next week, okay? So we've um, we discussed, of course, Loco tomorrow. By the way, Loco tomorrow, do you think that they have a chance to win or it'll be a draw? I'll be honest, I can only see this being a draw. I think there's so much pressure on there. Um, Rostov have been very, very tight this season. They only conceded five goals in six games. They are at home and they are playing within their means. I think Loco will probably have to accept a point at this rate. Okay, no, that is that is fair enough. Okay, looking ahead to next week. Uh, by the way, we didn't mention Himke. Himke, of course, out in uh, your neck of the woods, losing three one to Oral. Um, but yeah. I mean, looking at it, I mean, in all fairness, I mean, Oral were very, very good. Himke put it up to them, but Oral just phenomenal. I mean, one of your favourite players, Big Falvey, was just unbelievably good. Oh, I mean, this, this is a man who has. I, I would argue he has as much class as, as any number ten in the country. Just is simply his his legs are gone because he's 32 years old but when he is on the ball his quality is unbelievable and the thing with Ural is they've strengthened seriously seriously well in the transfer market they've got a very very solid midfield now um, uh, Daniel Miskic and Branko Jovicic were keeping Rafael Augustiniak out of the side which is unthinkable um, bearing, bearing in mind the last 12 months so uh, Big Valve you can always rely on for the, for, for the goals and all they need now add a striker and they can challenge OK as you mentioned of course um uh, Himke are down the bottom of the table. They are in 15th with three points, just nominally ahead, or marginally ahead, not nominally, marginally, one point ahead of Rotter. We'll come back to Rotter in just one moment. But before we do, we're going to have a look ahead to next week's round of games, round eight, of course. Um, okay, Zenit are out in Oral. Let's not talk about that just now. Siska are away on Sunday, two o'clock kickoff out in Ufa. Spartak are away in Kazan, so they're both out on the Volga. They're against uh, Rubin. That is an afternoon kickoff, 4 30. Loco are at home on Sunday evening, 7 o'clock against Tambov, and Dinamo are home on Monday night, 7 o'clock against Ahmad Grozny. OK, let's start off with Ufa Siska. Well, Ufa are struggling. There's, there's no two ways about it. They've only won once all season, conceded more than any other side, and Tisca will be absolutely fired up after this derby win. So I can only see a win for Tisca. They won't need to press themselves too much. Um, and I think they'll be relatively comfortable. Possibly 1-2-0 win. OK, uh, Rubin and Spartak. Well, Rubin got that win against Dinamo. So there's a bit of confidence there. They're up in the table. They've got three wins so far. They're not doing too badly. But Spartak, um, they will be fuming. And particularly Tedesco. So I, I do think this has got goals in it. I think Spartak will probably still edge it. So they have the quality. Um, one defeat doesn't destroy their season. So I think 2-1 to Spartak. I think they'll win. All right. That's fair enough. Uh, local home to Tambov. That's a home win all, all day. Um, it should be. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, it is local we're talking about, so we do be very, very careful. But but they should. Exactly. They, have, they have that little bit too much for uh, Tambov, wouldn't they? Well, exactly. Tambov, I think, are a smart side. They they pick their battles well. They tend to do well against teams around them. Um, and away to locomotive, nobody will expect them to win. They'll sit back. And I think Loco, it will suit Loco because they'll have that time and space to build attacks. And I think they should, should be comfortable. Um, but who knows okay now Dino of course are playing Akmat we'll discuss that uh, next Sunday so let's go straight away to that situation in Volgograd where Rotter were unable to play against uh, neighbours Krasnodar just tell us quickly what happened and why was the match cancelled 
Well, it was about coronavirus positive tests. Yesterday, there were seven players who were tested positive. They were separated, as is the standard procedure. And today, the remaining players were retested. Um, but the match was only called off just over an hour before kickoff because the Volgograd region health authorities didn't still hadn't notified the Russian Premier League at that stage on their advice because that's the standard procedure the health authorities decide can it go ahead or not and the RPL in the end decided themselves right we have to call this off but one hour 15 minutes before the game started so that game has been called off for now we should hopefully see it um, but we'll see what happens but uh, yeah very late notice Okay. Um, do you think that I mean, we should? This is kind of the new norm, isn't it, Andrew? This is something we should be getting used to because teams will be cancelling matches when there is some sort of a hint of an outbreak, wouldn't it? Well, yes, exactly. It's, um, unfortunately, we have to accept that this is quite possibly going to be uh, a relatively normal thing that will happen because when an outbreak happens and the rules state that the health authorities have to give you notice, it's never more than a few hours before the game because they want up-to-date medical advice. Um, but organisationally, logistically, it's a nightmare. Um, but it's always bound to happen and it's been happening throughout the levels of Russian football down to the third level as well. Um, so the Premier League will have to accept it will happen sometimes. OK, Andrew, thank you very much for that. We're going to come back to you, of course, in part six for the quiz. So get your thinking cap on. We'll talk to you a bit later. Right, folks, we're going to go to the break right now. We're going to come back with Andy Mack and have a chat about the English Premier League and some scandalous behaviour going on around it. What else do you expect? I guess it's uh, part of the fun of the whole league. Right, we're going to go out to the break with... Uh, I, I think you'll like this song, OK? So, of course, we should have played this when Dimitri Duranets comes on because it's, a, it's called Five Years' Time, but... Then it would have been five years ago. So we don't have a song called Five Years Ago, but this is No Wonder Whale, five years' time. Back after this with Andy Mack. Capital Sports with Alan Moore. Be walking round a zoo with the sun shining down over me and you, and there'll be love in the bodies of the elephants too. And I'll put my hands over your eyes, but you'll peek through, and there'll be sun, 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 all over our bodies, and sun, 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 all down our necks, and there'll be sun, 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 all over our faces, and sun, sun, sun. So what the heck, cause I'll be laughing at all of your silly little jokes And we'll be laughing about how we used to smoke All those stupid little cigarettes and drink stupid wine Cause it's what we needed to have a good time But it was fun, fun, fun When we were drinking it was fun, fun, fun When we were drunk and it was fun, fun, fun when we were laughing, it was fun, fun, fun. Oh, it was fun. Oh, well, I'll look at you and say, it's the happiest that I've ever been. And I'll say, I no longer feel, I have to be James Dean. And she'll say, yeah, well, I feel all pretty happy too. And I'm always pretty happy when I'm just kicking back with you. And if you love, love. Love, love, love All through our minds And it be love, love, love 
Ladies and gentlemen, I hope you enjoyed that. I, I actually found myself uh, grooving a little bit around the studio, if I can call it grooving. It's actually now, for me, it's just like moving from side to side. Um, a little bit of a shout out, of course, to one of our listeners who just messaged us in that she is listening to us, Laura Connor. Of course, she is the public relations officer for Moscow Shamrocks. Laura, have a great night. I hope you're enjoying the show. And of course, if anyone wants to play Getty Football, let's just get out there right away before we go to Andy Mack, who's waiting for us very patiently. He's waiting very pa- He's a man of great patience. If you want to train with the Moscow Shamrocks, you go out to the Sapsan Arena, 10 30 Sunday morning that of course is out at Cherkizovo or Locomotive so Sapsan Arena 10.30 Sunday morning try getting football for men women boys girls the whole lot it is the best full body workout you'll ever need and that's just getting there but when you get there then it's even better okay we're going to go straight away to Andy Mack because of course the English Premier League kicked off this weekend Uh, today a couple of games Leicester won 3-0 against West Brom Spurs well I can't say flattered to deceive. They just deceive all the time. Lost 1-0 at home to, of course, uh, Everton. Uh, Arsenal open up their account with a 3-0 win at home to Fulham. Crystal Palace whipped Southampton 1-0. Uh, game of the weekend, of course, was Liverpool at home to newcomers, or new arrivals, I should say. Uh, Leeds United, they won 4-3. West Ham, of course, well, they're just terrible. They lost 2-0 at home to Newcastle United. Okay, Andy Mack, um, what were your big takeaways from the first round of games in the English Premier League this weekend? Sorry, I was I was getting a bit impatient waiting for you there. Um, <laughs> I guess uh, I guess the big takeaways for me were um, the sides coming up. Um, obviously, Leeds ran Liverpool very very close, but West Brom and Fulham um, both started brightly and then fell apart. And I think that the, the teams that have come up are going to really, really struggle now this year. Um, obviously, the Manchester clubs are missing due to their participation in, in Europe. Um, I, I guess I guess the, the, the biggest takeaway from that, for me personally, would probably be a bit of intrigue in, um, in seeing how Arteta does at Arsenal this season and whether he can get them back into the Champions League. 3-0 win. Um, new defender slotted in quite well at the back, having uh, Gabriel, another Brazilian. 
Um, and if they keep hold of Lacazette and uh, Aubameyang, they, they could be quite an exciting outfit this year. Do you think that the Arsenal fans will show a bit of patience this year? Because they, they seem to be going through managers like you go through you know, pairs of underwear, two per year. Um, I'm talking about myself, I, I, Andy. I'm talking about myself, Andy. Don't worry. I, I like you know. You know what I think, Andy? When like uh, I, I actually said this. Like it's a, it's an Irish students thing that um, you know if you can't wash your underpants, just turn them inside out. No? Well, I, I, I was going to say two per week, but <laughs> I mean a year is general. Um, You're very extravagant for a Scotsman, but anyway, go on. <laughs> I try not. I try not to wear any. To be honest. Um, <laughs> But listen, you have to, when you're wearing a miniskirt, you have to. A kilt is okay, it's down to your knees, but a miniskirt is a bit, you know. Yeah, it just depends how windy it is, I guess, for the public. <laughs> um, I, I, I think they definitely have to show a bit of patience this year. I mean, Arteta did quite a good job uh, of, of sort of steadying the ship a little bit, and they do look an awful lot better at the back. Um, and the, the new system that they've been trying out seems to be working. It may need a bit more patience, but obviously... Um, Arsenal fans need to take into consideration that 38 league games, have many games in the Europa League, plus the Cup. Um, so it's for a lot of clubs that perhaps don't have the money to spend big on boosting up the squad numbers. Um, it could be a tough season as, as Spurs look like they might be about to find out. Do you think the Spurs, uh, you know, they're the team that do have a decent bit of money. Of course, they, they put a lot of it into the stadium and so on and so forth, but they do have money. There's no two ways about it. Do you think that this is going to be a very bad season for them, that they could end up outside of uh, European football? Well, I actually thought, considering that Harry Kane got to miss August playing in the Premier League, he has a thing where he never scores in August that everyone rants on about. The fact that they'd skipped out August for the Premier League this season, I thought might might go in their favour, but the bits of the game I saw today, they were they were pretty woeful. Um, and Everton actually missed an open net as well in the first half. Um, yeah, new stadium. They, they they could be in a bit of financial trouble at some point, and they may have to start looking at players on the periphery of the of the starting eleven that might bring them in, bring them in some transfer kitties, such as the likes of Eric Lamella, that's not really getting much of a, a look in at the moment. Would they maybe even get rid of Harry Kane? I think. Th- and for me, he's been very dis- he was disappointing during the international break for for England. I thought he wasn't really offering too much, um, and I think when he's lacking that little bit of confidence, he can actually be- because he has that they have to start him. I think um, he-, he can actually be more of a, a hindrance rather than someone that's going to be effective in getting you goals. It's an interesting one, but I think they've kind of missed the boat now on getting the hundred million from whoever it was, was it Real Madrid, I think, that were in for him last year. Yeah. I, I think that, that price tag's probably now gone, and certainly teams like that abroad uh, won't be p- paying the inflated prices that um, English clubs are currently paying for, for British players. Um, look, at like Liverpool winning 4-3 against Leeds. Now, of course, last week we discussed Liverpool... Um, is is this a good sign for Liverpool? The fact that they are back, that Liverpool fans will be crowing come the end of the season, or do you think that this is about to blow up in their faces? Um, I think the manner of the victory was probably the boot up the bum that they needed at the start of the season um, to, to to get them focused and get them going again. I think if they if they'd have won that game easily, um, it it could have been a, a difficult kind of little period where. 
you're having to get motivated to, to do it all over again. So I think that kind of game has probably lifted the spirits. They've got the three points uh, and they've also, you know, realised that it's going to be a long season. They need to concentrate. The likes of Virgil van Dijk making mistakes in that game when they when they win a game um, is, is going to be the sort of thing that will win them another championship if they get close to it again. Tomorrow, of course, we've got two games, uh, 8 o'clock and 10.15 Moscow time. First one is Sheffield, Saudi-owned, I should say, Sheffield United playing Wolverhampton Wanderers, Chinese-owned, and Portuguese agent run. And then you've got uh, Brighton and Hove Albion against Russia's favourites, Chelsea. Um, how do you think those two games are going to work out, Andy? Um, very excited to see how Chelsea will get on with the, with, with the new German connection there with Werner and uh, Harvards. See how they settle in. Um, could be a very, very interesting season. It'd be interesting, really interesting to see whether they will break into the top two if, if Lampard gets it right. Uh, the other game, I mean, the, the bit that uh, Sheffield United have signed, I can't remember how much it is they've actually paid, but an awful lot of money for a, for a bunch of players that I think are vastly mediocre and I think and I hope that they um, sorry if you're a Sheffield United fan I, I actually hope that they struggle this season for the amount of money they've spent on very very average players getting in to, to boost their squad so I'm, I'm hoping for a Wolves win and it'd be interesting to see how Chelsea get started yeah, just to, to, before we move away from Sheffield, um, did discuss, uh, well, I had an article out this week about Sheffield United that they are, of course, Saudi-owned. Um, there was a huge, of course, kerfuffle. We discussed it and covered it last year uh, and during the summer as well. Or, say, yeah, during the summer, during the lockdown uh, on Capital Sports 2.0 about the Newcastle buy, buyout by the Saudi Sovereign Wealth Fund. Why do you think Sheffield United are getting a free pass with a Saudi owner, whereas Newcastle are getting their pants taken down and spanked? Uh, well, Mike Ashley, I think, probably doesn't help in that situation. Obviously, Newcastle fans were desperate to get to get him out. Um, it's, I, I don't exactly know. I Maybe, perhaps, clubs don't really see Sheffield United as, as, as much as a big club anymore as perhaps they were in the 90s. Um, and for that reason alone, I think that may well be, you know, it's perhaps not going to sell newspapers, get clicks or anything like that online. So, therefore, Newcastle were much more likely to get that. Sheffield United, uh, I don't think, would be able to attract the kind of players that Newcastle would, even with that money. So, even if they were throwing £100 million, uh, at a player, I don't think many players would turn around and, and join them. So, perhaps that's the reason why Sheffield United's um, Saudi ownership thing's kind of been swept aside. But... Still, I, I'm also surprised it hasn't it hasn't got much more of a, a, a kickback, even now after it's all been reported and kind of settled down. People have ignored it. Yeah, I mean, it is it is funny because like, I mean, I even asked some uh, you know human rights activists who were up in arms, of course, about uh, Newcastle United, and I, I asked them directly, "Does this not bother you?" And like, ah, you know, you can't win them all. So for me, I, it there was that kind of hypocrisy. Why would you want to kick Newcastle and not kind of point out the hypocrisy, but again, you know, it's like funny because uh, some Liverpool fans said like last week, well, if we're cheating, it's because everyone else is cheating as well. You know, that's what I heard. And I was like, okay. Um, listen, uh, looking uh, further ahead, of course, this week, Spurs are back in Europe. Uh, they're in yeah, Europa League qualifying action. Um, do you think it's kind of strange that they're in so early? Because I was going to mention Celtic are there as well. 
Well, we've already um, already played two rounds quite unsuccessfully. Um, I, yeah, I, I, I guess it's kind of strange, but um, I also think it's slightly unfair if some of the bigger clubs per se, if you want to call them that in, in this stage of the tournament, if, if they're not qualifying, I mean, if you're... If you're not good enough to beat the teams in these rounds of the qualifying, you're not good enough to play in the actual tournament itself. So, in that sense, I, I don't see why it should be any different for the likes of Spurs, Celtic, anyone else that R- Russian clubs coming into it now as well. I think they all should be there. And you know, if it's a one-off game or over two legs, then I think the smaller clubs need need to have their chance of doing it. It's the only way they're going to break into that monopoly of European money and football at the moment. So a good opportunity with these one-off games for, for smaller clubs to get a chance. Of course, uh, Spurs are playing Lokomotiv Plovdiv from Bulgaria. That's on Thursday night, nine o'clock kickoff uh, Moscow time. Um, you, you'd fancy Spurs to get through that one or do you think that they might even throw the game? No, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think so. Um, um, Bulgarian football is kind of fallen away largely even the sort of top dogs that they have Ludogorets have sort of struggled the last couple of seasons so I don't think Spurs will have any problems getting through that one at all uh, yeah it, it was a massive upset and do you know um, also well it's actually 11 o'clock Moscow time try to find this one online because it will be very good the atmosphere is going to be well non-existent who Milan are playing do you know who it is AC Milan who they're playing on Thursday night uh, um, Shamrock Shamrock Rovers, exactly. Yeah, I mean that's that's just and and a lot of those players, um, like Donnarumma and so on, like the goalkeeper, they're all missing for for Milan. Yeah, I think um, I, I I think a, a lot of the players didn't travel. Was was that what it was, or they they cut the squad down? I'm I'm, I'm not quite sure. A bit of both. Um, bit of both yeah. yeah, I think it's a little bit disrespectful, but I guess. With uh, the Italian season starting up fairly soon, uh, there'll be a, a sort of mind eye on making sure players don't get quarantined or anything like that before what they would perceive as as, as their big games, as, as their um, their season curtain drops. Andy, before we look ahead to next week's round of matches in the English Premier League and get your uh, expert take on it, Ron Koeman today uh, supposedly... Okay, some insider sources in Barcelona uh, have said that he wants to buy immediately Mo Salah from Liverpool. Um, 28 years of age, he doesn't show signs of slowing down. He's still able to dive in the box and win penalties. Um, That's uh, Salah, of course. Uh, Koeman, well, he just cheats. Um, Listen, Koeman, do you think that 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 might happen, that that, that, uh, Salah will go to Barcelona? Um... (coughs) Well, if they're if if they're looking one season ahead to to Messi going, I think they almost certainly would have to buy someone now in order to sort of bed them into the squad to find out whether it's going to really fit and suit. So I think it, it kind of does make sense that Barcelona would be looking at someone like that, um, and obviously Messi being in his thirties as well. I don't think someone being twenty eight, twenty nine, thirty is going to be a big problem if they're going to produce for three three years for them. So. If Salah's head could be turned, I think it would be one of the big two in La Liga. Um, now that he has won a league title and a Champions League for Liverpool, could be an interesting one. OK, and uh, finally, just on the new gossip roundup, um, Gareth Bale, 
Now, like we were talking last week, where would he go to? Could it be Spurs maybe? Uh, it's, it's all about the money, of course. I think he's on, as you said, €650,000 a week. Um, Man United are looking to try and get him because they are running out of time and running out of patience with Dortmund to try and get Jadon Sancho. Bale to United? Um, I think they would probably push, try to push through the Jaden Sancho one. I know that, that there's been, it, it seems like they've now kind of agreed a few of the, the, the issues that they had before in terms of the wages, in terms of the agent fee. That seems like it's actually getting closer to done than, uh, to being done than it has been at any point over the summer. So for that reason alone, I don't think I can see Bale going to United. Okay, uh, Andy. Next week, of course, it could be uh, it will be a season defining because there's a long way to go yet. Chelsea at home on Sunday to Liverpool, uh, kick off six thirty. Um, that's one that Chelsea would like to sort of maybe kick the table out from underneath uh, Liverpool. Yeah, big big one to to lay down a marker to to the rest of the league, and also, I mean, being at home. Sadly, in this case for Chelsea, obviously with it all being behind closed doors, I think they, they might miss out on a little bit of an opportunity there with that early game. But certainly Leeds will have, um, have shown Chelsea a few of the, the, the issues that Liverpool might be having, teething in, fitness, whatever it is at the start of the season. Um, so an exciting one to, to see whether Chelsea are going to be serious contenders or not this year. Okay, what would you you're taking on? What would you if you if you to uh, if I had to put a gun to your head? What would you say? Who's going to win it? Uh, score draw. Score draw. Okay, that's great. Andy, listen, I knew you were going to be back in part six was for the big fat filthy quiz. So until then, get your think, thinking cap on, and we'll talk to you later. All right, thank you. Okay, that was Andy Mack. He will be back, of course, but we're going out to the break. We have a nice little ditty for you to sort of like round up things. That we've. We're going to come back after the break with Isil Cody and Alex because we have a lot more to talk about today. Uh, this isn't for Andy Mack. So if anyone starts saying this is because of Andy Mack, no, it's not. This is Billy Eilish and Bad Guy. Capital Sports with Alan Moore. I'm not bad type, make your mama sad type. 
Okay, folks, hope you enjoyed that little one from Billie Eilish. We, of course, are back. This is part three. We're going to go in just one moment to Eastold Cody uh, and uh, Alex B. So all going well. We will talk just in just one moment. Uh, so, folks, um, what's been happening, of course, in the world of fight sports? Well, it's pretty, uh, how do you say, it's pretty strange because uh, Conor McGregor, has been carrying on yet again. Now, I don't know how to do, how to sort of get through this, but we will. Um, there's also in boxing some lawsuits been taken, especially in Ireland between Carl Frampton and Barry McGuigan, ones that are really, let's just say, upsetting because Barry McGuigan himself, former world champion, had a lawsuit against his former manager and now his former boxer has taken a lawsuit against him. So to tell us more about that, we're going to go to County Fermanagh to Isolde Cody. Isolde, can you hear us? Try to get Isolde back on in just one moment. Uh, we will try to, yeah, we're going to call Isolde in just a moment. We just can't get her at the minute, but we will. Uh, okay, we're going to try Isolde one more time. Um, so, basically, folks, the story with Conor McGregor, of course, he is on holiday in France, supposedly getting married, um, but we don't know what's happening uh, with that. And, of course, issues surrounding his, let's just say, his less than polite behaviour in public places. But Isolde, we're going to go straight away to you in County Fermanagh. You have a bit of boxing news for us to start off with. Um, I certainly do. And unlike normally when I'd be saying I've seen a great fight and I want to tell you about an up and coming bout, all of the current fights in the boxing world are coming from inside a courtroom, which I'm also secretly loving because it's working very well for the lawyer in me. We currently have in Ireland... Uh, Canelo, or sorry, in Ireland, we have Frampton and Barry McGuigan, or rather Barry McGuigan's company, Cyclone, um, are currently in court and they are basically arguing over what is being alleged to be a £6 million um, amount due to Frampton. And that is what Frampton is alleging. And Barry McGuigan's company, I guess, it's being pitted in Ireland as Frampton versus McGuigan. Let's be clear, it's Frampton versus a company that is of of which McGuigan is basically the main person. Um, but just 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 tell us in the background because of course they uh, Frampton was being coached by him, uh, managed by him, and it was all done on a handshake. Yeah. So essentially, Carl, in the opening days of the court case, what we have heard is that Carl basically, without any independent legal advice, signed um, a contract with Barry and with Cyclone, part of the contract provided that essentially in agreeing to it, 
Carl, who was also a director of Cyclone, and I need to make that clear, he was a director of the company he had subsequently resigned. He was to get 30% of the company's profits. And basically what he is alleging is that over the course of several years, Cyclone were not paying him the full amount of his purse. And not only that, but certain um, expenses for members of the McGuigan family and entourage were basically being charged for the company. It all came to head in 2017 when members of the H or um, Revenue would have arrived at McGuigan's, or uh, sorry, at Frampton's home, presenting him with a bill for quite close to £400,000 in unpaid taxes. Obviously, this was what set matters off. We're talking about two of the biggest names in Irish boxing. And when I say Irish boxing, I mean the island of Ireland. And this fight is going to get quite ugly. It's been delayed for quite some time. Um, McGuigan and Cyclone, I should say, are offering a defence to say that Frampton was in breach of contractual terms. But I would like to point out one thing. This is not the first time someone has walked away from Barry McGuigan and his company. In the wake of Carl leaving, there were several other fighters who left. And in just last year, uh, we would have seen Josh Taylor, who is a multi-world uh, champion in several different um, codes. He basically has left as well. And that is also likely to go to court as per what Cyclone have said, that they will sue him for breach of contract. Uh, the other case, which I am delighted to mention because I'm really enjoying it, I read it today, the initial filings, is Canelo Alvarez versus Golden Boy and DAZN. And this is a really interesting case. Now, Canelo's legal filings basically have to be amended because his lawyers made a hames out of describing where the defendants are basically situated. There was a bit of a mess. It's a technical thing. They will amend it and we can all be sure that this will go to court or at least get dragged on for another few months. But what we're getting to see is Canelo essentially saying that Golden Boy have a contract with DAZN, which Canelo has never had sight of, and that this contract is basically preventing him from fighting. That his opponents, when he brings them in, they're not good enough, and that they're all focused on one fight, and that is the Triple G trilogy fight. As well as that, Canelo has alleged in his proceedings that he has been willing to take a lesser amount than he is owed per fight under the DAZN contract solely because he wants to get back in the ring. And what is basically going to happen in this is we're going to see either Canelo will back down, in which case he'll have to accept reduced amounts, or we could see this spiral such that DAZN could end up losing out on Canelo, who is arguably their biggest draw. It's a, a very interesting one, particularly in a time of COVID. And unfortunately, from a legal perspective, Canelo's pleadings read more like his Wikipedia page with his lawyers being clearly big Canelo fans rather than reading like a well-written court case where they're pointing to the different uh, points. And of course, I'm going to come on to our third and final who you have already mentioned. Guy who is getting involved in conflict outside of the ring or in his case, the octagon, Conor McGregor. Okay, so I would love to not talk about Conor. I would absolutely adore if I went... Connor is actually retired. He's gone off, sailed off into the sunset quite literally and has got up to nothing else. But unfortunately, Connor has been on yet another set of evenings out that have resulted in some sort of controversy. Now, we don't know if there's any truth or not in the allegation that's being made, which is essentially that he was questioned by French police over 
an attempted sexual assault, that's what's being reported, and sexual misconduct where there may have been some level of exposure. The difficulty is, if someone is to say to me, maybe Connor keeps getting accused of things because people are money hungry or fame hungry, I could accept that if it wasn't for the fact that these people are consistently reporting to the police. There's also some discussion about whether this, the location in question is a very busy um, bar and whether it may have been filmed on someone's camera or the like. But the difficulty is at this stage, we are hearing more about Connor continuously in these sorts of situations than we ever heard about him in an octagon. Connor is more synonymous now with this level of allegation. And that's, it's upsetting for MMA, it's upsetting for Irish MMA, and obviously it's very upsetting for those close to him who aren't responsible for his actions. And let's, let's get this straight, Diesel, because he is engaged to be married and making big yeah. deals on his Instagram there with his wife and so on. Now, for me, when I, when I saw this popping up, um, which is probably a very unfortunate term to use in relation to what he was <laughs> accused of, um, that it was uh, he's accused of indecent exposure as part of his idiocy. This seemed to me like something that I have seen and been disgusted by, by rugger buggers, shall we say. Um, rugby players, or even, well, actually not soccer players, but rugby players misbehave and think they're very, very funny where they drop their trousers and run down the street and go, ha, ha, ha. You know, th this is what it seems like. But with Connor, it, it, it could actually be more because he has some very, very dark issues from his well, past as well. I would say I completely agree. It sounds, if I heard this in a vacuum where I didn't have the other stories in the back of my head, I would go, look, this is a guy who's had a few too many drinks. Someone made a comment. He's done a kind of, and I suppose for someone who isn't from Dublin, it's difficult to understand when I put this in context, but he's kind of grabbed himself and sort of gesticulated that he's all man or something to that effect. Exactly. He's hilarious. However, this is a man who has had repeated allegations um, of sexual assault and offences of a sexual nature. Like, I'm sorry, if you've been accused of something like paedophilia, you don't hang out around a school making jokes about it. It's he, This should be a trigger point that he walks away from all these situations. And it's upsetting in the sense that at this stage, anyone who was a McGregor fan has to be asking questions. You can't, this can't keep happening and it just be a coincidence. If it is a coincidence, that's awful. But at the same time, he should have the cop on or the people around him to go, you know what, Connor? how about we just take you to a quiet bar? How about you go somewhere where you can afford to be away from absolutely everyone? The fact that he isn't suggests to me that Connor either has some sort of issue where he thinks he can control how he behaves or he doesn't care. And I would say it's probably the latter. Isil, there have, of course, been like, well, very well-founded, um, let's just say, either accusations or suggestions or people pointing out kind of obvious things that there could be... Um, a, a drug influence here because of someone who hangs around with someone's behaviour that's quite outlandish that it's, you know, related to say a white marching powder from Colombia. Could this explain it away? Is it the people that's surrounding him his like uh, well, yes men or yes women even? There was one very interesting thing this week where just before this all kicked off he tweeted about basically the drug testing having arrived to see him so USADA basically being like hi we're here to test you and he's like I'm now retired now, but then again, would you take a Conor McGregor retirement seriously? Um, but that's the thing. We're seeing him kind of saying, oh, they're here to test me. And I presume he turned them away with short shrift. But 
Oh, no, he, he gave the test. Uh, no, no, he said he gave the test. He gave the test. But what are they looking for in those tests? Well, I mean, and it's, do we... it's USADA, so it could be, like, he should have just maybe called Travis Tiger and said, I'm scared, and then let it go, but because it seems to I think, I think we need to look at the fact that if, you know what, if Conor McGregor has an issue with any form of drug, then the best thing Conor McGregor could do is like what every sports star who has an issue in that regard does. They come clean. They have a big redemption story. We all hear about how they've turned their lives around for their kids, their wife to be their, you know, he has that opportunity. The problem is these aren't just stories of Conor trashing a hotel room. These aren't just stories of Conor getting in a fight. These are stories that all relate to one thing in common, and that is a level at various levels now, but a level of sexual misconduct. And there just comes a point where he either needs to get away from that situation entirely so that he's not seen in public or he needs to come out and say, I have an issue with something else because that would at this stage be somewhat a saving grace. It it can't continue like this because not only is it damaging for his brand, which I don't particularly care about, but it's damaging for the image of a sport in Ireland where irrespective of McGregor, but thanks to him, we were growing quite well in Ireland and it's just, it's disappointing I think for anyone who's an Irish MMA fan there are some who will always stand by him but for the rest of us who have, you know, three or four brain cells that function, it's disappointing. Is he redeemable? Um, everyone's redeemable. Look look at Tyson. Look at some of the things he's said. Look at both Tysons. Everyone is redeemable to an extent but to certain members of the public, I will include myself in that, who there are certain types of conduct you can't be redeemed from under any circumstances. So listen, thank you for that. We're going to be back to you, of course, in part six for the Big Fat Filthy Quiz. So until I then, have been, I have been rehearsing. Don't you course, worry. It's my week. <laughs> okay, we expect you're not going to get it easy, but we know you're going to win. So thank you very, very much. Okay, we are uh, going to go now to Alex B in just one moment. Of course, there are NFL games going on around uh, the USA right now. They kicked off on Thursday. Um, Big ones are, well, basically a friend of ours, a very, very good friend of the show, the Washington football team. Oh, Washington football team, they are, of course, former Washington, well, Native American name. They are losing 17-10 at home to the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, the Jets are down 21-3 against the Bills. The Colts are beating the Jaguars 17-14. The Bears are losing against the Lions 20-6. Seattle are beating Atlanta 20-12. Our Browns are losing 24-6 against the Baltimore Ravens. That's a really tough one because oh well there's a big big history there and um, the Packers are 22-10 up against the Vikings and the Raiders from Los Angeles are 2015 up against the Panthers now hopefully we have Alex B on the line Alex can you hear us uh, yes I can, can oh, you hear, me? hear you loud and clear buddy loud and clear okay listen before we, we we've only got a few minutes to start off you'll be back of course in the in the next section after 10 o'clock but I want to just ask you right away Conor McGregor I mean should, should, what, what does he need to do Alex because of course Eastolt is very very clear he needs to come clean he needs to clean himself up he needs to stop this nonsense how, how has it been reported on in, in North America I'm not really sure as to what he did I think there was like another sexual assault allegation I think yeah, is that yeah. what this is in reference to yeah um, well, I mean yeah this is just this is like the third one, I think, in the past like year or so. I think Conor McGregor, he really just needs to, you know, he was showing in his last fight, you know, I keep bringing up his last fight because he was showing that he wants to, 
you know, come back maybe at welterweight, you know, see, you know, he's still very young. He still has, you know, he's, and he's a very good fighter, obviously. So, you know, I think he needs to make some decisions now when it comes to like doing stuff like this, because he obviously doesn't have the same hunger that you used to have, which is, you know, it's pretty, it's understandable. You know, pretty like, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. But, you know, he needs to do something about that if he wants to, because his legacy is also very important to him. He said that it's important to him. Um, so I think, yeah, he needs to just <laughs> clean, up his, yeah, act. clean up his act, come yeah. back in. <laughs> you know, if he wants to fight, he needs to fight. If he doesn't want to fight, then, you know, why is he even doing this? Exactly. This one's spot, spot on, spot on. <laughs> very, very correct, Alex. Um, okay, right now it's in the third quarter, 4.45 gone between the Clippers and the Nuggets. And the Clippers are leading 73-68. to 68. Last night, a huge win for the LA Lakers, 119 over the Rockets, 96. How is the NBA standing? Just give us a quick roundup, Alex. <sighs> I'd really rather not. Because I know something you else happened last night. Of course. Something else happened last night, which I'm not too happy about. At I'll, all. I'll make you say it. Go on. What happened last night? All right. Um, so the Celtics in a very, very narrow game by um, mostly because of the referees, by the efforts <laughs> of Jason Tatum and the referees. They have one game seven against the Raptors, 92-87. And again, very, very close series. But Boston has moved on barely <laughs> to face against the Miami Heat. Okay, and of course, that, that first Miami game, of course, is on Tuesday, the time we're still waiting to hear what it is. Um, LA against, LA Clippers, of course, they have another, well, they're, they're still playing against the, uh, the Clippers. Um, the Lakers, are they showing their teeth right now, Alex? Oh, they really are. I mean, the Rockets were, they're obviously a very big team to beat. They've been kind of a little bit dysfunctional this year compared to, like, maybe two years ago. Um, but, you know, James Harden is still James Harden. Russell Westbrook is still Russell Westbrook. A, you know, a victory against that team is big, especially, you know, they took four games to one. That's pretty convincing. Um, so the LA Clippers are against the Nuggets right now. However, if the Clippers win this game, they're going to go up, up against the Lakers. And Nuggets still have two games to win if they want to continue into the Western Conference uh, finals. But... Uh, yeah, so we have the Miami Heat against the Celtics, and we have the Lakers against the winner of this game. Okay. Or this series. Cool. It could be an all-LA showdown. Okay, Alex, you're going to stay with us, and we're going to come back to you, of course, after 10 o'clock with Carol O'Donovan. But we're going to go to the break right now because, folks, don't get stressed out. Don't be like the 21 Pilots. We'll be back after the break with Carol O'Donovan and more Alex B. Capital Sports with Alan Moore. I wish I found some better sounds no one's ever heard I wish I had a better voice to sing some better words I wish I found some chords in an order that is new I wish I didn't have to rhyme every time I sang I was told when I get older all my fears would shrink But now I'm insecure and I care what people think Lightning's blurry face and I care what you think My name's blurry face and I care what you think Wish we could turn back
me back to when I was young. How come I'm never able to identify what it's